John chapter 14, verse 27, the words of Jesus. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The first word, peace. I'm going to speak for a few moments on peace, but before I do that today, uh, I'm going to ask you for some audience participation. And I know the last thing you want to do is come to church on Sunday morning and have to respond some way. It's all you could do to get out of your warm bed and get in your cold car and get here today, but it's already been worth the trip, hasn't it? The presence of the Lord is so sweet today. And it's just been a great week. I thank you for praying for us. This past week, Brian and I both were down in Tampa, Florida. And I'm telling you, the time I got done preaching Tuesday night, I just collapsed. I was done, completely done. But I think we ought to live our lives so that we can go to heaven from our last service. That means you hold nothing back because we might not be here again. And uh, we thank you for praying for us. I'm going to just give you some statements that I hear regularly from people. And all I'm going to ask you to do is just help me out. And uh, there's not a right or wrong. And you don't win a prize if you get all of the questions right. Uh, But uh, I'm just going to ask you to fill in the last word of common statements because I feel like as a preacher, I'm not the only one that hears this. I think you probably hear it at work, you hear it at home, you hear it out and about when you're out in your community. I just think it's just regular words and they become cliches almost that we hear regularly. For example, I hear people say all the time, I am at the end of my, is that, I think you can do a little better than that. Uh, I'm just a bundle of, good, good. I'm ready to throw in the, hmm. I'm at my wits. Boy, you are the most uptight audience I've ever (laughs) preached to in all of my life. But you know, it is a fact. The upright can get uptight. You can, you can face some things in life that it just leaves you at a place where that, where that you're saying, hey, I love the Lord and I, I'm serving God, but I'm, I'm up against something here that's bigger than me and I need some help from the Lord that can only come from the Lord. And that's why we focus on that one word this morning together, peace. I'm often confronted with people making decisions. And I think a lot of times people look for signs and wonders, and and I certainly know that God can do that, but I also know the problem with signs, if we're not careful, we can turn things around and make it look like it's supernatural when it's not supernatural. You know, you can say, I'm looking for God's direction in my life, and Lord, uh, if I should take that new job, then uh, Lord, you let me get a good deal on milk and you go down and the milk's on sale. That must be the will of God. I pray for you if that's how you make your decisions. Uh, But I will say this, a lot of times God doesn't send us the answer on linen paper with gold writing on it and gold letters, what he gives us as the assurance as believers, if we are going in the right direction, he gives us something that education can't give you, 
you, you know, even, even your, the blessings that you've had from, from your past, from your genealogy, it can't give it to you. It's something that friends and family can't give you. It, it's something that a doctor can't give you a pill for. It's something that certainly the world can't give you and the devil won't give you and that's peace. All you have sometimes is peace when you face certain situations in life. I'm looking at peace. The good news is there's just two points. Bad news is they're long. But let's look at two things together as we think about peace. You know, the Bible teaches us in Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So one thing the Lord tells us about this peace is that peace is given so that we can have peace with God. Peace with God. Now, why is that important? Well, he's dealing with justification and that means that because that we've sinned, we need a way to find forgiveness of that sin. Justification is a word that simply means just as if I hadn't sinned in his eyes, I remembered, but that's what justification is, to bring us back into a state of right, right standing with God, just as we were before we'd ever committed the sin that had separated us from God. So he's saying that this verse is peace for the sinner. When we realize that we have sinned, there is a way that we can be reconciled to God, a way that we can have peace with God, and that peace comes just as that verse that I just quoted to you said, it comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. So peace, when we come to a place where sin has brought about such terrible things in our life, the way that we are linked back to God is through Christ. Let's get this right. Jesus is the master link that makes everything hold together and stay together. And when we get separated from him and we're isolated from him and we're on our own, we have no peace. But when he gets in the mix, that's when everything changes. So peace with God comes through Christ. Not only does it come through Christ, but it comes through the blood on the cross of Christ. So it comes through Christ and it comes through the cross. Where do you get that at, preacher? Colossians tells us, that when you read in the Bible, Colossians tells us that we have 120. In fact, it says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, why do we need peace? Well, sin brought separation. It brought sickness. It brought sorrow. And it brought sadness. The confusion that exists today throughout the world is, is ultimately a result of sin. Now, I'm not saying that you're sick because you sin, but sickness would never have come on the human race if there wasn't sin. That's what I'm saying. We would never have known what sickness was. That wasn't God's will. But what happened is a sin brought us to this place. And God said, the day thou eatest thereof to Adam and Eve, thou shalt surely die. It's not God's will. He never did want people to die. He wanted mankind to live forever. That's why he's trying to get us to a place where we can live forever. But how do we overcome all of that? Sin brought all of that, but Jesus said what sin came to do through the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ gives us life, eternal life, abundant life, life that we can possess nowhere else except by and through the cross of Christ. He made it all available through the cross. Do you realize what that he's given you as an inheritance if you're a sinner today? 
Even though none of us is worthy of that, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all gone astray. We're not perfect. We're sinners. But thank God there's a way to find forgiveness and it goes back to the blood of the cross that Jesus died upon. And it is his will for you to know what that peace is. I'm glad Dave Kuhn is here today. David and I, some years ago, I don't know the standing of the law now, but some years ago, he and I had a discussion. One day, uh, we sat down for a little while, we were talking and he brought up the subject. And if I can remember right, Dave, from my mind, I just jotted down a couple notes, but if I remember right, uh, at that time when we were talking, I didn't realize this, but uh, it was possible to probate your will while that you're living. Boy, it's quiet now, isn't it? See, we, we thought you had to die before your will could be probated. If you've never been, been uh, part of a probate process, uh, it's a process. <laughs> and uh, quite a process at times, it can be. And uh, especially if the will is challenged. But the way that you can make sure that your wishes are fulfilled, there is a way that you can probate your will before you die. Now, why would I bring that up? Because before Christ died and while he was dying, he probated his will. He made sure everybody, glory, I'm fixing to preach. He made sure that everybody got what he wanted them to have. He didn't leave anybody else. What did he give? Well, he left his mother to John. He left his clothes to the soldiers. He left his body to Joseph, but he left peace to me and you and whosoever will. They can come and find peace because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So there is peace with God. But then there's something else. In Philippians 4, 7, listen to this. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There he's not talking about peace with God. He's talking about the peace of God. Again, in Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you're called in one body and be ye thankful. So he's not speaking to sinners here. Now he's speaking to saints. So the peace with God is for the sinner. The peace of God is for the saints. Because even though you're saved, you're gonna face some things in life and you're gonna wonder how you're gonna get through it or how you're gonna make it out of it or how you're gonna make the right decision or do the right thing. Well, it takes the peace of God to do that. And the peace of God comes about through Christ. You remember uh, Jesus in Matthew 14. I'll not take the time to read all the verses. You can read it when you go home. But when you get down, he, he performs a miracle. He feeds 5,000 men beside the women and children that are there. So after he performs this miracle, when you get to verse 22 of Matthew 14, he constrains the disciples to get into a ship and go to the other side. When they get in the ship to go to the other side, Jesus goes away from them apart unto a mountain to pray. And now they're out on the sea and Jesus is on the mountain. And while they're in the sea, Jesus had told them that he would meet them on the other side. And while they're out on the sea, a storm arose. So now he's in the mountain praying 
and they're in the sea fighting the storm. He's above looking down and it's amazing when you read the scripture, he could see them. If you've ever been to that sea, with our ability, human ability, it's an impossibility for that to have happened. But he can see, may I remind you of this, he always sees you and sees what you're going through. He sees it all. Uh, Brian and I have a good friend. Uh, He is the pastor down at Betsy Lane, Kentucky. And his daughter is in intensive care this morning. They called on us and our church to pray for her. She needs a miracle. And you know, I'm here preaching in Rubyville and Barry and his wife and family and their church and churches all across the country are praying for her. She needs a miracle. And we know that God can can do anything. But it's good to know that while I'm here preaching in Rubyville and you're here, that God's above looking down on all of it and sees everything that's going on and is in control of all of it. It looks so different from his vantage point because he sees it from beginning to end. He not only sees what you're going through right now. So when they get distressed and they don't know what to do and the sea is just horrible and terrible, out of nowhere, he comes on the sea and they didn't recognize him. And he cries out and Peter knew it was the Lord and he gets out of the boat, you know the story. He begins to sink and Jesus saves him when he looked at the winds and he looked at the waves and how boisterous they were. He began to sink and Jesus saves him and when the Lord saves him from that, they enter in the ship, Jesus commands the waves to cease and the winds to cease and he's in control of the storm. There's not a storm in your life that he does not have control over. Not one. You can face some real storms. And then of course, they wind up on the other shore just like he promised when they began. Well, there's some great things you learn from that study of the storm. What is it? That we have the peace of God. That when he gives us a command, we have the peace of God, he will perform it just exactly as he intended it to be but we don't know what we'll go through until that takes place. If you take notes, here's a few good notes. When you get in the storm, what you need to do, remember what the disciples learn. First of all, when you're in the storm, if you are at peace with God, that's the prerequisite. You've got to be at peace with God to experience the peace of God. Sinner, don't expect the peace of God if you're separated from him you wouldn't know it was him anyway because you don't have a relationship with him. So now he has the peace, we have the peace of God. And when we face the storm, the first thing that we need to remember is his purpose brought me here. He knew they were going into a storm, but he still sent them. That was his purpose. They they were still fulfilling his plan. If you're doing the will of God and following the plan of God and doing what he's purposed in your life, the storm will come, but he's still in control of all of it. So when the storm comes, you can say to the storm, I'm not worried, I don't like it, I, I don't appreciate it, it's not enjoyable, but he's still God and I'm where he told me to be and it'll be all right. 
So his purpose brought me here. When you're in the storm, remember that his prayers protect me here. While they were in the storm, Jesus was praying for them. Do you know the significance of that? I wish people could get that. They sit around and whine all the time because somebody don't pray for them. Somebody didn't come and pray for them. Somebody, what do you mean Jesus is praying for us? just making sure it's still on. Jesus is praying. I appreciate your prayers. I thank God for your prayers. But the truth be known, what do you do if you get in a place that nobody knows you're in the storm? What happens if you have an automobile accident? You're trapped in a car somewhere. You're in pain and agony. No one even knows you've wrecked. You're on a lonely road. Thank God Jesus says, I'm praying for you. I see you. I care about you. I've already taken care of all of it. He prays for you. It would do you well to read the prayers of Jesus. He prayed for them that the Father had given unto him. Who's that? It was more than the disciples. It was us. He said, so his purpose brought me here. Then also his prayers protect me. Second, or third rather, his presence comes to me here. He prayed, but then he went. He prayed, but he went. He went to them. When you get in a place that you feel like the storm is so hard, don't worry, he'll show up. He does it in so many ways, so many different things that he does to show up right on time, at the perfect time. He'll show up every time. He not only prays for you and prays for me, but his presence is there. Isn't it good to know that everywhere we go, he is with us? He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's with us. We can only be one place at a time, but he is always with us no matter what we're facing. And then two, his power sustains me here. He had power over the wind and the waves. He came, that brought them comfort. You see, sometimes I think we look at Jesus as, and I don't mean this in a sacrilegious way, it's just the way people view him. I think we talk so much about his love and so much about his goodness that we forget about his strength. The same Jesus that could take the children and bless them could also cause demons to tremble. The same Jesus that could heal Peter's mother-in-law of the fever and raise the dead could also cleanse a temple and drive them out. He was strong. And when we hear the word comfort, we think of comfort in terms of weakness, but the word comfort itself comes, if you break the two syllables down, C-O-M and the second syllable, F-O-R-T, you'll find out that broken down the first C-O-M from the Latin literally means with, F-O-R-T means strength. So he comes not with an inability, he comes with all ability. He comes with all strength 
and with all power. So his presence and power is there to sustain us through whatever we're going through. And then finally, it's good to know his promise assures me here. When you get to the place that you wonder, I can't see him, I don't know where he's at, I can't make sense out of any of this. You remember, he had already told them, constrained them to get in the ship and to go to the other shore, to the other side. That meant that no matter what happened, they were going to the other side. And let me say this to you, I don't know what lies between me and heaven, but he said if I come to him and confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And the same Jesus also told me, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I don't know what I'll go through between here and heaven, but hallelujah, there is a heaven at the end of all of it. And he promises us that his word is sufficient. His blood is powerful. We're his child and we rejoice that our names has been written down. Claim his promise in the middle of all of it. They tell me that there is a place in the sea when you go deep enough in the sea. It is known as the cushion of the sea. The cushion of the sea is a place where you finally get down deep enough that no matter what is happening above the waters, a hurricane can come. This amazes me. A hurricane can come, but the cushion of the sea knows nothing about it. It's so deep, it stays at rest. It's not unsettled. It's the shallow places that get unsettled. Do you know there's a place you can get in the Lord so deep that it's not that you don't go through storms. It's just the fact that you know he's over all of it. And you have his promise that you're leaning on that says, I'm gonna make it through that no matter what. Let me put it this way. Turn to Ephesians chapter one. I'm about to close. (laughs) Optimus believes that's really what the preacher means when he says that. (laughs) Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one. When you get there, you'll read a phrase in that particular passage. And hath put all things under his feet, verse 22, I'm sorry. And hath put all things under his feet and give him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Two things happen here. We know according to Ephesians 5.23 that Jesus is the head of the church. And in this particular passage that we just read together, he had put all things under his feet, not our feet, his feet, Jesus' feet in this verse. And gave him, that's Jesus, to be head over all things to the church. And then he goes on to explain, he's the head, and then he tells us what we are, the church, which is the body. So we're the body, and he's the head. Jesus is the what? 
the head. What are we? The body. We're the body. We're the head. He's the head. We're the body. He's the head. Every one of you look right here. I'm going to tell you some country philosophy that'll do you a whole lot of good. He is the head. We're the what? Do you know it's impossible to drown with your head out of water? He is the head. We're the body. It tells us that everything's under him. And he's the head. The sea's under him. The water's under him. They may, they may try to overflow us, the waters, but they won't overwhelm us. They may come in like a flood, but they'll not overwhelm us. Yes, they can get the body underwater, but the devil can never get to the head and the head is doing just fine, and the head is telling the body it's all right. I'm not worried about the storm. I'm still in control. I'm gonna take care of you and see you through all of it. 